Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. I had a conversation with God way back when I was a high school teenager. I was in my room and I was considering some of the things that I had heard in a denominational church that I was going to. I was in that denominational church. I was a choir director. I ended up being a leader of a Sunday school class. I was the worship leader, believe it or not, for children's church. Back then I had a voice. I was a director of the Christ Center. I was all these things. And I was in my room and I was talking to God. And I said, you know, I said, I don't get it. I said, it seems to me that what is required of me is I do everything that they tell me to do, that I follow all their instructions to the best of my ability, and then I'm going to die, and I'm going to stand before you in the great white throne judgment, and I'm going to stand in front of you, God, and I'm going to find out then if what I did was right or not. And, and if it wasn't right, too bad, it's too late. I said, I don't understand this. I don't know what you are requiring of me because I'm not hearing it in church. Well, you know what? Thank God. God is not like that. I love that verse I shared this week. He is of no shadow of turning. There is no surprises with God. He will tell you exactly what is expected of you. And thank God he does because there will not be a surprise when you are before God and nobody else is with you. But when you are before God at that great white throne judgment, you will know exactly what's going to happen with you because you will have been instructed. Now, let's go to Acts 17. I'm going to show you the things that God showed me about what is expected of me. Acts 17, verse 31. Because he has appointed a day, in which he, this is God, this is Jehovah, will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. Notice it says, he will judge the world in righteousness by that man Amen. whom he hath ordained. When I was in college and when I taught school, we had what we called rubrics. I don't know if you ever had this when you were in high school or, or even elementary, because I had it for some of my students. A rubric. We would assign a project, and then we would give them the rubric, and the rubric would say, this is what is required of you to get the grade for this project. So you knew exactly up front what exactly you had to do to get the grade for that project. It would say, now, if you're going to you're going to need to do this, and then you're going to have to have notes, and you're going to have to present it to the class, and you're going to have to do this little speech. And this rubric listed everything you needed to do. And if you did everything on that rubric, you got an A. It was easy. In fact, it was so easy, you could pretty much decide what grade you wanted, and you did it according to that. Well, you know what? We have a rubric. We have a standard of measure. 
what we are going to be compared to when we are at that great white throne judgment. And you know what that standard is? Jesus. Jesus. He is our unit of measure. He is that rubric. He is what we will be compared to. Can you believe it? We will be compared to Jesus. He is our measure. Now, what did Jesus do that we have to do also? I'm going to start. Let's go to Matthew 10. I want to show you one other verse. We're going to be going through quite a few verses, so get your fingers ready. Let's go to John 13, 16. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Let's take a look at that verse again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he sent greater than he that sent him. Do you realize what this verse says? You're going to have to walk exactly like Jesus. It says the servant's not greater than his Lord. So you're going to have to walk exactly like Jesus did to do the works of Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. Paul, remember, says that our works are going to go through the fire. And they're going to either come, they're going to be wood, stubble, hay, or gold. And they're going to go through the fire. And if there's anything left, thank God. The spirit won't perish. The spirit will be saved. But all those works will be burned up. Who wants burned up works? Who wants burned up works when we have a measure? When we have a measure. And it says right here that we will walk exactly like Jesus walked. We have to. Do you know if we don't walk exactly like Jesus walked and we expect to do his works, we're saying that we're greater than Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? If you say that we don't have to do the things that were required of Jesus, but yet through the same works as Jesus, we're saying we're better than him. Cannot be. We are going to have to walk exactly like Jesus. Let's look at some of the ways that he had to walk. Let's go to Matthew 3, 13. I was just going to, we're just going to run through some of these because those of us here, most of us know it. But there are people here listening that don't know this. Matthew 3, 13, this is Jesus. Now, Jesus has not done any miracles yet, not one. In fact, nobody pretty much knows him. He's pretty quiet. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And look what Jesus said. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus had to be baptized in water. He told John that it, that it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He had to be baptized in water. Well, if Jesus had to be baptized in water and we are going to be just like our master, we're going to have to be baptized in water. Right? Amen. Next one. Let's go to Luke 3.22. This is Jesus as he's coming up out of the water. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. 
And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. Look at the first line of that verse. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. Jesus here was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was. Our Messiah had to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Had to be. Required. Okay, if it's required of Jesus, is it not required of us? It has to be. You cannot be greater than Jesus. And if Jesus had to be baptized in the Holy Ghost here on earth as a man, you and I have to be. I want to show you a verse with that. I want you to go to Acts 5, 32. There's a verse here that goes right along with this. And we are his witnesses. This is, talk, this is Peter. And so is also the Holy Ghost. So is also the Holy Ghost whom God has given to them that obey him. Jesus had to obey the Father. Jesus had to receive the Holy Ghost. It says here, if we're going to obey him, so do we. So do we. If we don't, we are saying that we are better and greater than Jesus. And that cannot be. Next one. I want you to go to Luke 4. I'm going to begin in verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I think it's Mark says, driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Guess what, folks? We got to go to the wilderness. If we are going to walk like Jesus walked and do the things that were required of him, and we've got to do the same, you are going to go to the wilderness. You have to. There is no way around it. And the wilderness is not always fun. I remember being in Frisco. And I remember at one point being, I just didn't understand why it looked like everybody else, and I'll be real honest, it looked like everybody else at Water of Life was just, having this hunky-dory time. They were being blessed with money and they were being blessed with this and they were getting new houses and new cars and, and, and God was blessing them with all this stuff and I was at home doing everything I could to believe God to put supper on the table. And one day, I, you know, I didn't, I knew you don't murmur, you don't complain, but I was, I was praying about getting dinner and the electric bill paid And it dawned on me. It dawned on me. My God, Kathy, you're in the wilderness. You're in the wilderness. I put a little note on my refrigerator door that said, Wilderness of Frisco, population six. (laughs) It helped. You know how I knew about walking through the wilderness? I had a prophet and apostle that walked before me. And you know what he told me? He said, just like Jesus, you're going to have to go through that wilderness. Now, why, you know, so right now, if you're wondering what in the world is going on, everything I do is turning wrong. I am in trouble every time I turn around. Welcome to the wilderness. You know what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Be glad and happy you're there. You know why? Let's go back to Luke 4. Let's go to verse 14. 
And Jesus, coming out of the wilderness, returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. You know what he learned how to do in the wilderness? Overcome the devil. He was tempted in the wilderness, 40 days and 40 nights. You know, for a while there, I thought it was going to take me 40 years to get out of that wilderness. But you know what? So what? You still get out. And you still get out with the power of the Holy Ghost. You walk in the power. You walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. So now we know, if we're going to walk like Jesus, you're going to go through the wilderness. You're just going to go. Now what else? Let's go to the next one. I want you to go to John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus on earth, walking as our example, was required. He was required to believe the gospel. Jesus? Yes, Jesus. Jesus was required to believe the gospel. And this is one of my favorite places of where he believed the gospel. This is uh, John eleven twenty five, 25. And Jesus said unto Martha, they've got Lazarus is dead. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And look what Jesus said unto her. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. I love this verse. Jesus told Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. You know what? He hadn't died yet. He hadn't died yet. He was a man like you and I, and he's telling Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. You don't think he had to believe the gospel? He hadn't even gone to the cross yet. Thank God that man had to believe the gospel. You know where he learned it? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. How many times have we heard Doyle say he got the gospel, the revelation in the wilderness? That's where you get it. Thank God you get it. And you know what? It works. And Jesus had to believe it. If Jesus had to believe the gospel, then we are required to believe the gospel. And if we think we're going to do the works of Jesus without uh, learning that gospel, without getting the revelation of it, then we're saying we're better than Jesus, and that cannot be. Let's go to the next one. John 5, 16. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day, Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was persecuted. And they wanted him dead. Welcome to Christianity. You are going to be persecuted. If you are not persecuted, you are not walking with Jesus. If you are not persecuted, you are not walking with Jesus. It also says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was afflicted. You are going to be afflicted. You're going to be afflicted and persecuted. If you think you're going to do the works of Jesus without being afflicted and persecuted, then you're saying that you're greater than Jesus. He was required to be persecuted and afflicted. Welcome to Christianity. Now, the next one. Matthew 26, 39. I know we have a lot of scriptures here, but we're going to have to look at them with our eyes. This is a powerful thing, and it ministers much to me. Verse 38, this is Jesus in the garden. 
And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry you here and watch with me. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And he went out a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father. Oh, my Father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You see right here, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. But look what he said. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Nevertheless, not as I wilt, but with thou wilt. Jesus had to do something he did not want to do. Jesus had to commit himself to the Father and do something he did not want to do. He didn't want to do it, but he said, nevertheless, not my will. You are going to find in your walk with Jesus, you are going to be required to do some things you don't want to do. You don't want to do. But you know what? That is walking like Jesus. You're going to have to. It's going to come. And you know what? It's going to be all right. But you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to Philippians 3.10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Everybody gets so excited about this verse. Woo, that I may know him, that I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Next line. And the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Conformable unto his death. You are going to have to die a death. You will die a death. Jesus had to. Thank God we don't have to go to the cross and we don't have to be crucified, but we will die a death. Your flesh has to die. It has to. And you will think it's a crucifixion. It's going to hurt. My God, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But you have to die a death. You have to. Jesus was required to die a death. You have to die a death. But you say, you want the works of Jesus, but you don't want to lay down your flesh. That is impossible. Your flesh has to die. It has to. And you know what? If you think you can do this without that flesh dying, you are saying that you are greater than Jesus because he had to lay down his flesh also. We are required to walk as Jesus did. It is going to be a crucifixion. Sometimes you feel like you are being hung out in front of everybody, dying, but that's okay. Let it die. Let it die. Because what do you get What the first of that verse said? that we may know him and the power of his resurrection. That's how you get to the power. That's how you're going to get to the power, through the sufferings and through the death. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but the Christ liveth in me, that the life I might live in the flesh, I live to the Son of God. That's close. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 17. I want us to see something. This is not easy. And you say, oh my God, there's no way. There is no way. Yes, there is a way. 
1 Corinthians 6, 17. I just, I'm going to read it from here. It says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, is one spirit. Where does this walk begin? When you are born again, your spirit becomes one with Jesus. And you know what the neat thing about being one with Jesus is? You've seen here today, he's already done it. He's already walked all this out. He's already been baptized in water. He's already been baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's already suffered. He's already been persecuted. He's already died a death. He's already been buried. He's already raised again. He's already believed that gospel. And you know what? That spirit now is in you when you're born again. That spirit, when you are born again, is the one that's done all this stuff before to a much greater level than you ever will. So he knows how to do it. He's already been there. And he can walk it again and again and again and again. It doesn't scare him. He's already done it. And he's in you. He's right here. And he will lead you right through there. He will lead you right the way he walked. He will lead you right along that path, just like he walked. He will lead you through that Holy Ghost that you got, that baptism of the Holy Ghost. He will lead you through it again, again. And he is happy to do so. He's happy to do so. Now I want to show you one more thing that really blessed me years ago. I'm going to go to Isaiah 42, verse 1. I've got this and one other verse and we're finished. And Paul will come up and minister for us. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold my servant. Behold my servant. You are going to become a servant. Whether you like it or not, you will be a servant. You will be. God will put you in places you are a servant. Jesus was, you're going to be. But look at this next line. Behold my servant whom I uphold. When God showed me this first years ago in Frisco, you know what I said? That isn't fair. That's not fair. You upheld Jesus. You upheld Jesus. He couldn't make a mistake. You were holding him up. That's not fair. And you expect me to do this? You upheld Jesus. What am I supposed to do? I mean, this was a real conversation. Now, let's finish in Romans 14.4. Romans 14.4. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. When God showed me this first, I said, I said, I get it. God is able to make you stand. As you walk through this, as you go through the wilderness, as you see your flesh being crucified, as you go through the persecution and the affliction, as you're dying that death, God is able to make you stand. He is able to make you stand. Even when you think you're not going to, he is able to make you stand. Don't forget the spirit that's in you. You have Jesus, the spirit of Jesus Jesus in you. You have been baptized with the Holy Ghost and now you have the Father in you also. Everything that Jesus had when he was walking on earth, that triumphant life, you already have in you. You already have in you. Let him lead you. Let him bring you to the place. And you know what it says in John? 
when we get through this, when we walk like Jesus walked, he says, we shall see him, for we shall be as he is. We shall be as he is. Thank God. Paul is going to come and minister to us the song, Jesus Paid It All.
Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She'd love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyDavidsonWOL.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwl.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.